<laughs> All right, I'm going to ask you all one more time. Y'all happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? God is so good, isn't he? It feels dark. There it is. I was wondering why it was so dark. I'm like, dog, what has happened? Uh, listen, are you excited what you've been learning? I want to say some things today that I said Wednesday night uh, that I feel like need to be uh, covered again in the Sunday morning crowd. Um, and, and just to be quite honest with you, uh, we're going to get over into some new things today. And, and uh, y'all, this, can I, can I just be honest with you? This started out just to be a three, just three sermons. We, we what, what, what are we, seven in now? Uh, so y'all, y'all got to understand we're learning something. And, and we're stepping over into something new, but, but you got to, to, to see some things first. I said some things Wednesday night that I want to, to just say real quick and then we're going to get into the word. Um, there's a mindset that's running through the church today. And the mindset is this, if you're going to get a growth track going and if you're going to have teams and, and let people minister and build all these things and help people reach their destiny and all those things are wonderful and we, we need to be doing those things and, and I'm believing God for people that want to step up and help me administrate that and small groups and, and when I say small groups it's not other Bible studies, you understand, I'm talking about people to group, me and me and Adam got our own small group, we go bowling. And he, he told my kids he put a hurting on me, I just want y'all to know he's going to hit the altar day for lying. So anyway, uh, but it's just, it's small groups are just fellowship. But we don't, I'm not talking about that. But the, there is a mindset in the church that says, you, listen, y'all, and I don't want you offended, but this should bother you. There is a mindset in the church that says for the church to grow and for you to have a lot of people means that I've got to preach really simple watered down stuff because I don't want to be too deep because y'all can't get it. That's the mindset. Now we're breaking that, Amen. Because the truth is, uh, and this is what hit me, and it hit me clear. Everywhere Jesus went, he's preaching the same thing I'm preaching, and he had multitudes. The word multitudes means, you know, they had to break open a two-piece fish dinner to feed people. Amen? So, now here's the thing. That mindset has got to break because it's that mindset that's, it's, we're, having, we're having entire conferences and churches full of people that don't know anything. And, and if anything that you know about me, you know that it breaks my heart to see you love Jesus and have failure. Because he is your victory, amen? Everything that you have is wrapped up in him. And everything that he... I, I can't get too deep into it because I, I got some things I really need to get to. But I want to show you some things. Let's deal with this and, and, and move from... We started this to go through the six things everybody goes through in every struggle. I don't care if you're dealing with finances, relationships, people at work, your own flesh, your own mind. doesn't matter what you're dealing with. You're going to go through six steps to get to victory. Most people never get past step two. What happens is you have to crucify that thing and you have to crucify your reaction to it. That's the whole point of the cross. So once you crucify it, then you must let it die. Too many people come to the altar and lay things down, but they, they crucify it there, but they pick it up and take it with them. So they're, they're not picking up their cross and carrying it. They're picking up their cross and displaying it. Does that make sense? We've got to stop doing that. Then we've got to let what we put on the cross die, which means don't take it home with you and keep talking about it. Hey, now. Y'all need to, well, Pastor, what can I do to get victory? First of all, we've got to shut that pie hole. That's the first thing we've got to do. All the women should have just said amen, brother. So... <laughs> the third thing, you got to let it die. You got to let crucify it. You got to let it die. Then you got to bury it. We talked about that last week. Amen. You got to put that thing in that grave and let it die with Jesus. And then once it's in there, once you have buried, successfully buried, whatever it is you're struggling with or whatever tie it has to you, at that point, you now have the right because that's the three steps of the old man to step over into the new man. And that's where we're going today. Amen. Are y'all excited about this? Listen, if we've been talking about the old man and being blessed, can we talk about the New Testament? See, when I first got saved, I thought the Old Testament was a book of stories and the New Testament was just a book about Jesus. I had no clue that when I got into the Word that the Old Testament was a type and shadow of the New Testament and that it was an old way of living and that there's a new way of living and that when we give our life to Jesus that we're actually supposed to be in the new way of living but we're living in the old way of living but we want God to bless the old way of living and expect the new way of living but yet we're still in the old way. Are y'all getting this? That's where 90% of you in this room are. 
You're thinking old thoughts, living old things. And it may not be stuff you've been through before, but it's something somebody's been through and it's old. And it's an old way of doing things. And we got to get into the new life. Well, how do you get into the new life? You got to do the first three first. You got to crucify the simple fact that you have a reaction to something. When it, when it, when it latches itself to you, are y'all okay with this? Because I, I hate reviews, I'm just going to be honest with you, because usually when somebody says we're going to review last week, which means they're going to preach it again. That's all that means. So I hate doing that. But, but it's really important to understand that this church is in the vein of what it's supposed to be in right now. And to step over into something new, you've got to understand that when, when John, let's go to John 19 and 40. Let's just look at it. John 19 and 40. They, then they took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloths with the spices as the manner of the Jews to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, the sepulcher, wherein uh, a man was, it was a borrowed tomb, a man was never laid. They laid uh, there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. And what that basically means is it was, it was a preparation time, and they had to put him somewhere. And there's a key here. It was a borrowed tomb, where, and I taught you last week on how in, that, in those times in the Jewish mindset and the Hebrew mindset was they spent their entire life digging their own grave. How morbid must that be to say, oh, I think I'll be comfortable with it this deep. I mean, when I, I don't think like that. But, but there's something to be said about the fact you have a man that knew he was going to die but never prepared for the death. Which means he didn't plan on staying there long. Which the point is that when you come and you lay your life down with Jesus and you step over into it, you're exposed to expect and we're supposed to teach you that life changes. And the problem is, is we're giving our lives to Jesus but going back to what's old. You will never walk in anything new if anything old is attached to it. You never will. It doesn't matter if it's old pain, old hurts, generational curses. If it's attached, your life will always be in the old life. You want the new life. It's so much more better. It is, it's just better. It really is. So I want to deal with this. Let's go to John chapter 11. Now, I'm just going to hit this. Y'all want to go home and read it? That's fine. That's what we want you to do. We want you to study. But when you get over into this, we dealt with Lazarus. And, and just go read this whole chapter. Now, we'll get down into the 41, 42, 43 in a minute. But John 11 is the, the chapter where Lazarus went to the grave. Now, we dealt with the fact that the sisters were upset and they said, Jesus, if you'd have been here, and they had a misconception about how this thing works. And Jesus tried to get his disciples to understand that he's not dead, he's just sleeping. And they kept pushing him, so finally, so fear didn't grow. He said, yeah, the man's dead. We dealt with all that. Now, we have to understand some things. The minute that he said, for God's glory, he'll be raised, and he spoke, Lazarus, come forth. And out of this prepared, listen, this man spent his whole life preparing this. He had to hop out of, wrapped up in clothing, what he was prepared to live in the rest of eternity. He had no concept. Let me explain something to y'all, and I really want to, I don't want to blow your minds and don't throw stuff at me. But the New Testament did not start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The New Testament started in Acts. Which means... Lazarus and Jesus and the disciples were living the old law. But Jesus himself was showing them what? Something new. Now, this is the one statement. If I only get this into you today, I've done my job and we can go home. And it's simply this. That God made Jesus everything that he wants to see in you. And if you can just accept that you realize you don't have to live this life of hell you've been living. That everything that you keep attaching to, that you're seated above this thing, that you don't have to live in this. And what that does is that makes your mind accept this word quickening. You know what, let's just look at it. Go with me. Let's see here. Go to Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Cameron, put Romans chapter 8, verse 11 up for me. Now, if you don't know, this is the, the, for me personally, this is the best scripture for healing. If you're dealing with sickness or your children, this is the text that I use. I use it in the Amplified because it deals with your mortal bodies. But in the King James Version, it says it the best. But the spirit of him, listen, that raised Jesus from the dead dwells where? 
Now, I don't have time to deal with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but that's not what this is talking about. When you ask Jesus into your heart, you actually filled yourself with the Holy Spirit. Don't have time to break that down, but we'll get to that eventually. He that raised up Christ from where? The dead shall also do what? Quicken your mortal bodies. So the mindset that you'll live blessed in heaven is wrong. You ain't going to have a mortal body in heaven. Quicken your mortal bodies by what? His spirit that does what? Dwells in you. Y'all know what the word quicken means? It, yeah, it does. It means made alive, but it, it also means sensitive to life. There is a representation. When you look up this word quicken, now we can, I'm going to give you some more scriptures on this. But when you look up this word quicken in the Bible, when you look it up in the concordance, you'll see the strangest, one of the strangest things and that teaches about definitions and it says a fingernail quick now there is nothing more painful than to cut the quick of your fingernail back and get salt down in that thing right I got one better there's nothing better than rubbing your hand raw and your wife giving you a rag that's got pine salt on it just saying Ran, ran a close race with that quick yesterday, but still. But what does that mean? That means he quickens your mortal body to be sensitive to life, not sensitive to the death that's in it. Which means, what do you mean by that? What do you mean sensitive to it? Which means if you're sensitive to something, just like the salt gets in that wound, it makes you move. And if you're sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is putting in you and teaching you and saying to you, you're quick to mold yourself into that. Are y'all seeing this? This is the life. This is, see, the life ain't what you think it is. The life is being willing to hear what he has to say and step over into it at the very moment he says it and knowing that on the other side of it, blessing that you can't even imagine is waiting on you. The problem is we're not walking in destinies because we ain't stepped past ourselves yet. We've not become, listen to me now, I'm fixing to mess with some of our theology, especially as Pentecostal people. The Bible is very clear on using a dove to represent the Holy Spirit. We, we're clear on this. That it, that it descended on Jesus like a dove. First of all, it's not a it. It's a him. Secondly, he's not a dove. That's just a representation. But why did the Bible say a dove? When do you read that ever again? Very rarely in the Bible. Let me tell you why. It's because the dove, <laughs> it is the least aggressive species on the planet. It is the most gentle, even above a lamb. Your sheep, he's a dove. The representation is clear. Sheep are dumb, dove are gentle. <laughs> I know y'all don't like that, but sheep will walk right off a cliff while they're eating. So anyway, the most gentle species on the planet to represent the fact that very clear as a Pentecostal man, people wonder, Pastor, why aren't you attacking people in the altars? Why... Because if it's aggressive, it's not his nature. Y'all, I've been in this thing 20 years. I have seen things in Pentecost that's weirder than a three-eyed cat. And I'm okay with that. Sometimes that happens when you've got a group of people that understand it. It's a different story. But, when, but see, this is why, the, remember I told you in the very beginning of this message, the, the mindset of the church has shifted to not be real deep because you can't handle it because we've made the Holy Spirit look very stupid. And he is a gentleman. He is, he is very much wanting to quicken you to life and make you sensitive like him. Now look, y'all have heard me, y'all have seen me go after spirits, but I've never been aggressive with a person in the altar because that's not his nature. It's not his nature. His nature is to draw people in. Now Alan's nature is to be aggressive. We all know that. We got to fix that. Your nature is to be aggressive because you won't, bless God, I just, no, no, no. You got to be sensitive to what he's saying because when you're sensitive to what he's saying, you won't accept less. Now, for the next three services, we're probably going to be talking about this quickening thing. I don't know how long this is going to go, but I'm telling you, it's vitally, understand, it's vitally important that you understand that God made Jesus everything he wants you to be. That, that should excite you. That means, you, you understand, Jesus wasn't sick until he accepted it. Listen, 
Jesus was also bold enough to not be with people he didn't need to be with at moments he didn't need to be with them so he could go separate himself. Jesus took four vacations a year. I'm going to be like Jesus, praise the Lord. We got to get out of here and take a break. You got to get away from things and hear what he's saying and be sensitive to what he's... The problem with us is, as Christians, we're so goal-oriented and we're so focused. I'm a type A personality, in case you had not figured it out yet. I want it done and I want it done now and, and I'm going to show you how to do it, then I'm going to do it because you can't do it right. I'm getting healed. That's not true anymore. I'm healed. Praise the Lord, everybody. Everybody that knows me is like, whoo. So this is what you, you got to understand. When you're sensitive, your level of peace is directly correlated with your level of sensitivity. If you're not sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life, you are volatile, I know. You're upset, you're angry, you're frustrated, don't want to be around people. I, I'll tell you what, I just don't understand. I can't, they don't know what they're talking about. It's real easy to get over into that. But when you learn to get quiet, I told y'all last week, I found this place and this stuff. This is, this is all new to me. And I'm settling over into a place where I'm in the very vein of what God wants me to preach. And we'll be riding down the road and my wife will have to get my attention, won't you? Because I'm gone. I'm with him. And I'm driving. That's kind of scary. But I'm hearing what he's saying and I'm sensitive to it. I'm at the place where my wife will tell you that walking through tough things. I had somebody, this, this, this is the greatest ministry advice and every man in this room better listen to me. The greatest ministry advice that changed my life and my kids will tell you that I'm a different person was this. Be sweet. You don't have the right to be ugly to anybody. That's the personality of the Holy Ghost. That one statement, did it not? We were sitting in a restaurant in Moulton, Alabama. Changed my life. Because for some reason we think with a title we have the right. And although mentally we don't, somewhere in there we think we do. You can't fix nobody. All you'll do is cause them to cover up who they really are. Because their level of sensitivity is correlated with their, their level of peace. And what you've got to understand is when you're releasing peace, you're releasing what the Lord said to you. You don't have to be aggressive. You don't have to be focused on what you want, but focused on what he wants. And if he's telling you what he wants, bless God, he's going to provide somehow, some way. You don't have to go out and do it. This thing was not built on works, but it was built on effort. The effort is for you to be and do and say whatever it is he's putting in you. There's a little bit of wisdom when your mama says, if you can't say nothing good... Y'all know how much wisdom's in that? Think about that. Now we've, in this generation, this whole world has gotten so twisted now. What's up is down and what's bad is good. And the truth is, we've gotten to the place that we don't say nothing good anymore. We say everything bad. <laughs> and bless God, we ain't got an answer for it because we posted it on Facebook. <laughs> right? That's what we do. We, 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 we don't have to. It's really this whole bullying campaign. My, one of my closest friends, Dean Sykes, is, is very successfully eradicating suicide in schools. He's successfully doing this. for bull You know what it's called? Cyberbullying. Because, oh, yeah, you're real tough on a computer. Oh, let me tell you something. It's not even a computer. It's a horn. I found out in my truck that goes 35 mile an hour, they're real tough when they're going by telling me I'm number one with a fish on their car. But when I invite them back to the parking lot, they ain't so bad. Oh, pastor, you do that? Oh, yeah. Y'all just don't even know. I didn't say I was perfect. I said I was learning. Would you fight somebody? No, no. No, see, because people that do that are cowards. I'm just throwing it out there. And people that hide behind the Holy Ghost to put you in your place is a coward. Be sweet, because I was a coward and I didn't realize it. You don't have the right to be ugly to nobody. That is the personality traits of a spirit-filled person. And I didn't realize that. My God in heaven, I didn't realize it. Because everybody I had ever trained under was the most aggressive Pentecostal people I'd ever be around. I thought, that's how you're supposed to be. My wife has really explained this to me the best. I, have, I see 
this gift that I flow in, and, and some of y'all don't know me well enough to know, but those of you who really know me know me well. This gift, I see things. Like when I'm standing here, I love you all so very much, but I see into your life. My mother-in-law's nodding her head. She's known me for longer than all y'all, and she knows. I, I've called her and told her things. She's like, shut up. But I see. Just because I see it doesn't give me the right to say. And she pulled me in my office one time, and I think it was in the old building. And she said, you got this gift, and you do see. And you attack that spirit. And I do. But she said, your problem is you're letting people get in the middle. You're attacking the person, too. I had no idea I was doing that. I really didn't. had no idea that I was hurting people. I thought I was helping people. And then that's when I had to really understand that a gift is going to operate. It's just going to operate. It's without repentance. It's going to operate. It's all in how you release. And the Holy Spirit releases with peace and love. You would be surprised at the people that would lay their life down for Jesus if they thought there was real peace in it. But the example of Jesus doesn't have peace. That's us. So we have to be quickened. Our mortal bodies have to become our actions, our facial expressions, our countenance. We have to be over in the life, which means we have to see what he's calling us to do. Now go to 1 Corinthians 6 and 17. Are y'all learning anything this morning? I'm laying a foundation for the new part. We're walking into the new life, amen? I'm excited. You excited? 1 Corinthians 6 and 17. Real clear. This, listen, you cannot say this any clearer than this. But he that is joined to the Lord. Look now. One spirit. Now y'all have heard me long enough to know what I teach. Inside of you is the spirit that's forever connected to God. And inside of you is a soul. There are people that teach there is a human spirit. And this, that's not true. You have a spirit that is connected to God, and whether you're listening to it or not, the Holy Spirit, come, when, when you accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in and enhances. He gives you JBLs, you can hear now. You've got beats on. You can hear now. It's all clear. It's like I, HD and stuff. You can hear what he said. Now, what you've got to understand is that he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. And for you to pull yourself, listen to me now, for you to pull yourself away from what he's saying to you means you're pulling yourself away from what he's trying to get to you. There's too many people running around slapping Cadillacs and houses saying this is mine. But they're not hearing God and they don't understand that although that may be God's very much in result for him. A great marriage, a great family, all these wonderful things he wants to give. Money in the bank, whatever that is. All of those things work by faith. Faith works by love and your love is gentle. Are y'all seeing this? Y'all awfully quiet. Y'all getting this? So now let's deal with this. Let's go back to where this started. Pastor, how are you going to pull all this together? Well, let's go to Colossians chapter 2. I've got to lay this foundation for the next several weeks. So when we break off into this thing, I want you to walk out of here and walk it out. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. Buried with him in baptism. See, you were crucified with him. You died with him. Now you're See, this is why baptism is so important. And we haven't had a baptism at this church in a while simply because we haven't had the facility. We're about to fix that. I'm going to find something somehow and put you all in a tank. We're going to get you wet. It's all good. We're going to figure it out. Adam wants to go down to the river, but the rest of y'all said, no, because y'all know what's in that thing. Somebody's cousin may float by. <laughs> y'all, I'm not making a joke. Am I telling the truth or what? Now, bless God, we'll get them raised up, but still. Somebody's with me. Buried, <laughs> buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him. See, if you're, listen, if you're crucified with him, buried with him, then what happens? You're risen with him. God in heaven. Isn't that awesome? Risen with him through faith of the operation of God who's raised him from the dead, verse 13, and you being dead in your sins. Listen, this is so important. You being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together 
with Him, which means His sensitivity, even in your mess, can become your sensitivity if you just decide that's who you want to be. That all the mess you found yourself in, you don't have to walk out. You don't have to answer for certain things if you could just give it all to Him and settle over into it and let Him adjust your life to where you never have to go down that path. So here's the thing. Has quickened together you have him forgiven, for having forgiven you all your trespasses. Number 14, this is it. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against you. Hey, I got some stuff against me. Y'all just don't know me. Y'all know to save me. I got some stuff. Which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Verse 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly, triumphing over them, victory. Because you don't have to fight this thing anymore. If you'll just accept that when you lay it down, it doesn't have the right to talk to you again unless you speak to it first. Spoiled. Put that up in the Amplified for me, that one text, please, Cameron. I want y'all to see this. Y'all got to understand what this is really saying. Disarmed. Oh, I love that word. Y'all realize y'all getting robbed by somebody with a butter knife? And y'all got a forty-five in your pocket? Yeah. Y'all, let's, let's laugh, but that's true. Y'all letting Cletus take your stuff. And he can't even think his way through a paper bag. I mean, think. He don't even know to swing. Principalities of power that were, raged, that were ranged against us made a bold display and a public example. That's the key. They were made public, in the, not, not in our public, but in the realm of the spirit that they have no power. Which means if they can confuse us, by thoughts of the old life, they can stop us from the victory of the new life. And we've helped them as preachers because we've reminded you of your junk. And bless God, we wanted so many people saved, we convicted the people that have been saved 20 times. And we're not the Holy Ghost. We're speakers of life. And we've become speakers of death. We've become people that want Lazarus to come forth. But we won't, elite, we won't keep the grave clothes on him. Because if he keeps the grave clothes on, he'll never become what he's supposed to do. And they, and they say, he won't need me anymore. Let's deal with this. Let's do it. 1 Peter 3 and 18. I'm trying to rush. Y'all okay? 1 Peter 3 and 18. Well, pastor, you don't know what I've done. Well, good, because here we go. For Christ also has once suffered for sins. Here you go. The just for the unjust. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but what? Quickened, made sensitive by the Spirit. The hardest thing to do to step over into the new life. See, the first three things, let me explain something to you. Why most people never get over into the life is because we've been rehearsing the first things for so long. We've been rehearsing crucifying the flesh. We've been rehearsing, uh, you know, I got to leave it at the altar, let it die, and trying to bury it. And, it's, and we've never gotten a handle on the fact that there is. We thought that was the life. We had no idea that that was actually getting rid of the old. The old man has to go. So we can step into the new. So, well, pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, let's, let's look at this. When Lazarus came out, I think it's verse 43, John eleven forty three forty four. 44. He hopped out. Jesus said, come forth. And he hopped out. The Bible says that he had linen around his body and his face. But he hopped out, which means he was alive. You understand, he wasn't possessed, he was alive. But he still had on 
old clothing. Jesus said, finally, after realizing that, well, Jesus didn't have to realize it. He knew it, but people had to realize that he was still in that. Jesus had to make the demand, loose him and let him go. Why did he have to make the demand? Because whether you believe it or not, this story is the example of the modern day church. Because most of the Christians you've ever run into have hit the altar and gotten up and hopped back to their chair because they're in something old and nobody has had the love and the peace and the sensitivity to lose them. We've tried to preach it out of them. We've tried to give it. Y'all give, bless God, give, and God will bless you. All those things are true. But we were never good enough. We were never exactly what Jesus wanted us to be because we were trying to be rather than becoming. We wanted them to be, listen, we wanted them to be sensitive to something we weren't sensitive to. Are y'all seeing this? See, when I see this stuff, I, I know I'm excited now, but I'm like y'all, when I first see it, I'm like, well, wowie, wow, holy cow. We missed this thing. The people that will flood to hear what you have to say if they just know you care about them. And once they know you care, now this comes back to my original point, once they know you care, you never have to dumb down the gospel because they're willing to eat of the good life. Amen. So he comes hopping out as if he's in a straitjacket. Listen, listen to me now. His eyes are covered, which means he can't see the life he's supposed to walk into. His mouth is covered, which means he can't even so much as, as speak the blessing of God over his life. His nose is covered. He can't smell the savor of God. What does all that mean? This is what that means. That means we have got to see what he wants us to say. God does everything in pictures. He does everything in ways that you can see it. I know who I'm supposed to be preaching to. I know where this, is church, this church is supposed to go. And I spent too many years trying to plead people in rather than speak people in. Because I see it. Therefore, I say it. Lazarus couldn't do that, and that is the state of the majority of the church because you're so wrapped up in what you're wrong about that you can't say what's right. And the truth is, it's if you could just release what's right, the grave clothes just come off because that's who he is. We're doing it wrong. We're trying to ascend when we don't realize we're already seated. You're trying to get somewhere you've already got. It would be like me begging you for that car that we own. Well, she owns it. <laughs> Y'all, listen to me. Loose that man and let him go. Brings a whole new understanding to he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. God in heaven. Do y'all see this? If you could just accept the fact that he whom the Son has set free is free indeed, you understand that that freedom is talking about the new man, not the old man. You don't have to be free from your old stuff because you already are. What you have to be free from is the mindset that it runs you. What you have to be free from is the mindset that it can speak to you. What you have to be free from is the mindset that you're supposed to bow to it. You are a Holy Ghost filled believer of Jesus Christ. You are covered in his blood and what comes out of your mouth by what he says, the spirit has to bow its knee because he made an open display that it has already lost and you have already won. And if you can see who you are, what he has for you will become the new life. God in heaven, y'all see this. If you could just step over into it, everything that you need is already there, but you got to find the key to the door. And the key to the door is not wrapped up in your grave clothes. It's wrapped up in your peace. It's wrapped up in your sensitivity. It's wrapped up in the fact that you move when the Holy Spirit says move. You release when he says release. Hey, praise the Lord, you shut up when he says shut up. 
You sing when he wants you to sing. You worship when he wants you to worship. You connect to what you're supposed to connect to. Listen, here's the key. You disconnect to what you're supposed to disconnect to. Listen to me now. It doesn't mean that you won't struggle. Oh, please hear me. But it does mean that the struggle shouldn't last any longer than your revelation. The minute you get it, it should end. Because if you get it by peace and sensitivity, there's no condemnation. That's why Romans 8, chapter, that's why Romans chapter 8, verse 1 is the most important. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Let me explain this how this was originally written. Now we've made it pretty in the King James. But it's not this long. This text is not this long in the original. We say, therefore, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after flesh, but after the Spirit. See, that's our way of saying you've got to do it our way. That's the King James. I realize the King James has been around for a long time, but you realize King James wasn't alive when Jesus was. This is not what was said. What was said was this. There is therefore now no condemnation, period. That's grace. That's all that was said. Because, because the way it was said was said from a point to people who understand he was good. See, y'all it's so hard to just even get it. There is therefore now no con. If you could stand up today and all your past would be wiped away and you never have to worry about it again and nobody's going to bring it up and your slate is clean, wouldn't you do that? You have that right every day of your life. Repentance was not for sorrow. Repentance is for peace. You didn't repent to get saved. When you got saved, you got the opportunity to repent. Good God in heaven. You're going to miss it every single day of your life. You gonna, things are going to hit your brain. You're going to say things and you're going to pull it back. And the beautiful thing about grace is that's what it was designed for, to keep you out of the law. But you still have to grow sensitive to what he's saying, to where what you said yesterday, you're not going to say tomorrow. And what you say tomorrow becomes what he says. So what you say tomorrow becomes your future. Do you think God said, I am the God of yesterday, today, and forever to build himself up? No, he said it because I'm in your yesterday to help you today, and you have no idea of your forever if you'll just listen to me. He's in every part of it. He just wanting you to get it. Oh, we need a move of God. We need a move of God. No, you need to move into where he's at. Because if you'll move into where he's at, you'll see things you've never seen. If you'll move into where he's at, you'll do things you never thought you could do. You'll see people you've never seen before. You'll have a love that's never been in you, and you'll get to be sweet and not be ugly to anybody. Those of you who know me know that this has manifested in my life. Those of you that know me know this is working. So I want you to understand something. Love corrects. Love leads. But love is sensitive. Crucifixion, death, burial, the old man's gone. Now, you wonderful people are in the next step that most Christians never get to. You're in the new life. We've been falsely pulling people. You've got to pray in the Holy Ghost. If you don't pray in the Holy Ghost, you can't be sensitive to God. Well, that's not true. Should you, should you understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit and walk in a heavenly prayer language? Yes, you should. And let me tell you why. Because it's not for open show. It's not for you to walk through Walmart and freak people out. And it's not for us to have church. It's for you to have a dialogue to pray from here things your mind doesn't understand. You also have the right, and let me explain something to you. I have seen this in my own life. You have the right to say, God, what am I praying about? And watch it manifest. Now, some people may never want to step over into that. I get it. We've made people look stupid. I understand. But I'm telling you, don't cheapen God by your cheap experience. He's a sensitive God, and he's a loving God, and he wants the best for you. And people that will lead you in that are people who should be sensitive and loving too. 
Because the devil will say, oh, that ain't of God. The devil will say, I'm making you do that. Let me, let me be really clear. He ain't got no power. It's all suggestion. It's all suggestion. It is all an opportunity. See, y'all got a minute? When I, I came from a Baptist background, that was a few years. Then I went heathen for 10, 15, 20. Then when I came back, I was in a Pentecostal revival. Never seen nothing like that before in my life. Y'all know the story. I ain't got to go, time to go into it. But I, got, I, knew there was, I knew there was power there. And we went to a, you were in a prayer group, just a few women. I called them the church chickens, the church hens, you know. So you got to understand what I looked like. I still had the long hair and the earrings and, and, and I still smelled like pot because I've been smoking it so long it was in me. You know, it, was, it took a while. But I'm sitting there and I've had more, listen to me now, y'all, y'all listen. Most you Pentecostal people understand this. Some of you who've never been through this don't understand. I have had more people slather me up with oil and try to bring me into praying in tongues than they're in this room. And it would make me want to punch their front teeth out. Because you got one person grabbing one arm, screaming, hang on, the other one screaming, let go, and then none of them can, none of them know the word. None of them know the doggone Bible. I was, listen, y'all, I was freshly saved, six months old, and knew more than they did. All they knew was an emotion. But we were at her prayer group with Baptist women praying in tongues, holy cow. And a 12-year-old little boy, they were in another room praying. 12-year-old little boy, uh, I was sitting, I'm watching T.D. Jakes, my God in heaven, if you're going to watch Preacher. I'd never seen anything like this. I was entertained. Because my understanding of preaching was that it all was horrible. And I'm watching this, and this little boy walks up to me, very gentle, and puts his hand on my back. And I started praying in the Holy Ghost. I didn't ask, I didn't seek, I didn't shake, I didn't shudder, didn't fall on the floor, didn't kick nobody, didn't throw my shoes off, didn't pull my hair out, didn't spit, didn't throw a kid. See, y'all laugh, but that's the mindset people outside of this church have. Well, pastor, what happened? Y'all, I don't know. It was the most peaceful moment of my life. And my wife will tell you, it marked me to the point that I've never aggressively prayed for people in the Holy Ghost because I experienced something at that point with him that I've never heard other people say. He was gentle and he was good. People ask me all the time, why don't you have lines for people to get baptized in the Holy Ghost? Well, because they don't understand what that means. And that's coming next, by the way. That's the next series because I got a whole new revelation on that too. We're stepping over into some things. Well, we've got to understand Listen to me now. People like us who pray in the Spirit with old grave clothes on are manifesting pain on people. Because we manifest what we say. We're not smart enough to ask God to change our mind and let us say what we're praying. We pray, leave our prayer closet and say what we want to say. And what you don't understand is the anointing is going to work. Ministries have failed because people have not got this principle. I almost failed. My God, I'm no better than anybody else. You have to get the fact that He is good. He is gentle. He is loving. He's not out to hurt you. He's not out to do anything crazy with you. We do have revivals where the fire of God hits, but what we've done is we've wanted that in every service. We were never anointed to do that. We were anointed to teach you. Well, pastor, you just meddling now. No, I'm not, because this is part of the life. This is it. Now, what you've got to get is this very simple thing. He made Jesus everything that he wants in you. He crucified Jesus so that everything that was in him could come out and help you become that. Why did he have to crucify him? Because his blood had to come out. Why did it have to come out? <clears throat> because every sin on this planet was on him. So what's in him had to come out. They couldn't just kill him. Listen, 
Can I mess with y'all? They couldn't just kill him and bury him because they would have been burying that kind of sin into ground that it would grow again. They had to bleed him. So the blood could go into the ground first. So what was about to be placed in the tomb would have atonement at one moment. Is this too deep? Y'all getting this? So here's what you got to get. Whether you know it or not, you're at your loosing moment. Whether you know it or not, you're standing in the presence of greatness. And it's not me. It's the Holy Ghost. Well, Pastor, I just don't want to be filled with that Holy Ghost. Well, that's not, that's not, you don't have a, you love Jesus? You can't separate him. You got to understand. So I feel y'all getting nervous. Don't, don't get nervous. I can feel it. Don't worry. I'm going to set these right here. I know. Y'all fixing to stab somebody with a screwdriver over here. <clears throat> this is not the time. We had a great time last week. Man, I got to lay hands on people and release. Oh, I love it when God lets me out. But this ain't that moment. This is that moment where you have to get real with God. See, Jesus took everything so you wouldn't have to. The Bible says there was no beauty left in him. He was completely disfigured by what sin was doing to him. You must understand sin, sickness, perversion, rape, sodomy, robbery, molestation, uh, uh, just murder, what you name it was on him. If you, you don't recognize it yet. If you could just recognize that the worst sin you could think of, well, I ain't done that, preacher. Doesn't matter. When Jesus died, he had done that. Maybe not physically, but the world and the spirit realm saw him as that. And when it died, it died to you too. Well, preacher, you know, what I do ain't so bad. It it, it don't matter what you do. It matters that you're not sensitive. It mattered that I preached for a decade not sensitive. That's just as much sin as not going to church and not being around people you're supposed to be around. That's just as much sin as putting things into your body you shouldn't be there or being around people that God's trying to... So you got to understand, we got to stop raiding this thing. And we've got to redefine what we call victory. See, we think victory is having a good church and a check showing up and, and all this, you know, God bless us. And that, 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 Listen, that's not victory. That's just a promise happening. See, if I promise her when she gets up tomorrow she'll have $100 in her account, she just sees the $100 because I made a promise. She don't shout victory. Usually, she don't have to shout victory because if she's more than a conqueror, she gets it anyway. But here's the thing. Snatching somebody out of the old into the new, that's the victory. It starts with salvation, praise God. But today, I fully believe that we got a room full of victory. Because you're responsible for what you've heard, and I can see it on your faces. The lights, I see lights. Y'all get this. Now, you got to go home and say this. You got to release this. Now, I've laid this foundation for one simple reason. We still got a few more services talking about this very subject. Y'all want to go deeper in this? Y'all tired of living hell? I'm sick of it. It's time to live the good life. Y'all ready to live a good life? Y'all receive this today? Y'all stand with me. Glory to God. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. You're good to us, God. Just lift your hands all across this place because every chain has been broken today. Whether you believe it, well, pastor, you just didn't preach. You didn't fire. Quit worrying about what I do. And accept the fact that the chains were broken on the cross. Father, we... (laughs) Lord, 
Somebody's got that interpretation. You feel free to, to give that. We're going to wait just a minute. Please obey the Holy Ghost. Don't let fear hold you back. Yes, sir, I'll do that. Before I do this, what you are free from, one little thing almost pulled you back in it by fear. You're free from that in Jesus' name. Freedom is yours, saith the Lord. Walk in it. Devour it. Eat of it. The good life is yours. I have set this table. You are above your enemies. Today is your day to walk out of this place and make a change. The change that you're desiring in your area, in your community, and even in people around you must happen in you first, saith the Lord. Today is a day of accountability. Today is a day where I call you to that accountability. And today is the day that I give you the strength to walk in that accountability. I will, saith the Lord, open the doors for you and your destiny. I will do what I have said. I will do it quickly. You'll see and you'll celebrate as you should. I've given you victory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Some people, listen, I can feel the pull. Some people are like, well, you just said that. If anybody in this room knows me, I do not take the Holy Spirit lightly. So today, our Father on Mother's Day has declared that He's about to open the doors quickly. I don't know what you need. I don't know what you're believing for. I don't know what it is, and it's not my business. But if God Himself says the doors are opening, I'd keep my eyes open, and I'd be sensitive And I'd be sweet because I have no right to be ugly to anybody. I thank you, Lord, that we are free indeed. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. If you're in this place, every head bowed, every eye closed. And you say, Pastor, I don't know this Jesus you're talking about. Or I certainly would like to reconnect and and make some things right. I'm not asking you to come to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. Nobody's going to embarrass you. I just want you to, to lift your hand when I call for it to know that I'm praying for somebody. If you say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me, just lift your hand. You can do that right now. One, two, three. If that's you, just lift your hands. Amen. Amen. Well, we're all believers. That means one very simple thing. That God has eliminated our excuses. (laughs) But he's given us grace. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for these wonderful people. They're going to walk out of here today with a whole tool.